2: It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu and tonight I'm here with...
3: Akusia Otre.
2: Coming up, over the next 90 minutes, this year's B.E.C.E. and WASI examinations in limbo. Over 50 million CD debt owed to the West African Examination Council, WaEC by the government... Also coming up, the death of two fishermen in Tema lead to an uproar in the fishing sector with a possible impact on the upcoming Homo War. And later on, Eyewitness News jurors in the Upper West region boycott court proceedings over the non payment of allowances due them for more than two years. Stay with 97.3 CTF and more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. There would also be business. in some 50 minutes from now. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations. We are in the Western region on Premier 100.5 FM. We are also on Beach 105.5 FM and Sky Power 93.5 FM, all of them in Takradi. In the Bono region, we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani. In our half region, we are on Hammers 106.5 FM. In Goso. In Ashanti region on Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi. Volta region we are on Akpini Radio 96.7 FM in Pando. Heritage 107.3 FM in Hohwe. In northern region we are on Dasuma 99.1 FM in Yendi. Upper east we are on Wed FM 88.3 in Zuarungo, Upper west on Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura. And northeast region on Eagle 94.1 FM in Uwale Uwale. The show is also live on YouTube, we are live on Facebook and we are interactive. We are also on citynewsroom.com. To send us your views, go to Twitter, drop your message using the hashtag citynewsroom or tweet at Umarusanda. You can also tweet at city973. On WhatsApp, the number to send your message to is 0549-986-996. 0549-986-996. Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the first one has to do with the education sector. The first exams you write in the Ghana, which is an external examination, is the Basic Education Certificate Examination, B.E.C.E. Then we have the West African uh, Senior School Certificate Examination, WACC, which used to be the SSCE, written after senior high school. We are told now that the two exams or the two examinations may not come off this year. And this is because of government's indebtedness to the West African Examination Council, the body that organizes this annual examination. The Minority Spokesperson on Education um, made a statement in the House of Parliament today when he spoke to journalists. Now, his deputy is Clement Apak, he is Member of Parliament for Bulsa South. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News.
4: Omaru, thank you. And good evening to uh, listeners, especially my constituents
2: in uh, bulsa South. Indeed, they are listening to us live uh, in Sandema. Thank you for, for sending your regards to them. You are saying that we may not see BEC and Waxi written this year. Why?
4: Yes. Omaru, as you rightly stated in your opening uh, remarks, uh, as far as Ghana's educational system is concerned, we have terminal exams where students that we are preparing to rise through the academic uh, ladder have to write exams at set intervals. So the first stage, as you and I know, is to write the B-E-C-E, and on the basis of that, you then go to a senior high school, and then you write WASI before you then proceed to tertiary. Now, what has been happening over the last few years is that the government has constantly and consistently been indebted to the West African Examination Council. And this is the recognized body that we have subscribed to, to set plan, execute, and grade these examinations that I have just mentioned. Waik has a lot of responsibilities. And part of Waiik's responsibility is not just within the context of setting the questions, producing them, and making sure that the questions get to the examination center. But Waik usually will recruit and train And deploy invigilators, supervisors, and those who mark the scripts. Now, all of these categories that I've mentioned ought to be paid. And that is why the issue at hand is worrisome because invigilators, supervisors, and examiners have not been paid as they ought to. And the reason why has been unable to pay them is because government is failing to pay Waik for fees, because Waik charges fees to government, which has decided, rightly so, to absorb the examination fees for our students at both the basic level and the secondary level. So, essentially, Waik will be incapable of deploying all these categories of persons, and professionals who help Waik to deliver on his mandate to do the work because they have not been paid.
2: Now, what this simply means is that it's a money issue.
4: Yes, simply put, it is a money issue. And you see, we have known this not today, but last year, a similar situation almost occurred. In fact, you will remember that you and I had conversations around that. After we had made the issue public, largely from the NDC side of parliament, as we are doing again, government had even come out to deny through the deputy minister for education. only to later on quickly release 60 million Ghana cities out of a request of about 100 million Ghana cities which was what gave Waik the best minimum to start the processes. And then later on, government paid. We facing a similar situation as we speak.
2: Now, the problem is that they've not given the money to Waik, which money Waik would use for the operationalization or the operations. And so the examiners have not been paid. There's a possibility they may not show up. How long has this been happening for? Is it for just the last exams or previous examinations as well?
4: Well, I think there's always been, um, if you like, uh, a a lag in terms of government meeting its commitments to Waik, and I would say to many other institutions has has now become uh, the norm. But for last year and this year, it looks like government has tended to wait to. Levels that create anxiety and, and and even, you know, tend to give the feeling to those of us in the space, the educational sector, of the real likelihood that these examinations could be affected in terms of the, of the timeline. And I think that that is the difference because we can't say that it is only in the past three years, but what we can say is that The situation seems to have been exacerbated, where we are getting closer and closer to a turning point where, if care is not taken, the exams could truly be affected because of government's inability to meet its commitments to WAIC in a timely fashion. And I'm hoping uh, that maybe, perhaps, as we are speaking, if government had listened to the earlier, you know, commentary by my ranking member. Uh, something would have been done. But as it is now, we are yet to receive confirmation that something has been done. Uh, Perhaps if they could move very quickly uh, to meet their commitment to work halfway and then put in place the needed mechanisms to finish it, uh, at least, as we like to say, half a loaf is better than none. But I would even argue that government ought to be able to find the resources to defer its indebtedness waik so that Waiq and the people who Waiq recruits to help execute this very important national exercise, which has to do with the future of this nation, uh, clearly does not become jeopardized. I think that it will be in the national interest if institutions like Waiq and other critical agencies dealing with the human component of our society in terms of social interventions, are prioritized in these difficult uh, and self-inflicted challenges that we face as a nation.
2: Who has to be invited by the House of Parliament to come and answer questions on this? And who has to release this money?
4: Well, ideally, it has to be the Minister for Education because as a member of the Education Committee, uh, I know that... uh, The Waiiq office in in Ghana clearly always comes to Parliament as part of the agencies under the Ministry of Education to present its budget estimates to uh, the Education Committee. Uh, And so, consequentially, it should be the Ministry of Education. But you and I know fully well that the person who holds the purse on behalf of government, and in this case, the President of the Republic, is the Minister for Finance. So at the end of the day, regardless of what the Minister for Education would say or not say, it would all be predicated on the willingness and the ability of the Finance Minister to release monies to the Ministry of Education for onward remittance to agencies under the Ministry, including WAIC.
2: Very well, thank you so much. Uh, We'll keep an eye on that. But are you going to exercise any of your rights as a member of parliament, though, to hold any of these officials to come answer questions on this matter?
4: Yes, we will. And as a matter of fact, we have always done that. I mean, if you were to check with the uh, table office in parliament and to see the number of questions that are filed on matters to do with education alone, it is breathtaking. Why the minister has not been showing agility? in coming to respond to those questions is a matter for another day. But I can tell you that most of the challenges that we face in the educational sector and in the Republic of Ghana in general clearly can be placed on the doorsteps of the finance ministry because most of the issues are funding-related.
2: Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. It's a pleasure always. That's Dr. Clementa Park. He is Member of Parliament for Bulsa South and Deputy Ranking on the Education Committee of the House of Parliament. We'll be hearing from government, but that will be after this break. Please stay with us.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
2: You're welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And before we went on the break, we are telling you about the possibility of WASI and BEC Um, Not coming off this year, and we are told that that's because of government's indebtedness. 50 million CDs to the West African Examination Council. We'll be hearing from the government. On this matter, plus what's happening in Addis Adel College. But before then, there's some other education-related education stories um, that Akusia has for us.
3: The Ghana Education Service Directorate in the whole West District of the Volta region is allegedly charging teachers 200 Ghana cities each to facilitate their promotions. Information available to City News suggests that teachers are supposed to hand over the said amount in a white envelope. To their respective head teachers, the promotion supervi- uh, supervision, as per city news sources, is expected to commence next week. According to some teachers in the district, the situation has placed them in an uncomfortable situation. Freduo has excerpts from a WhatsApp message circulated to the teachers regarding this matter.
4: Please, we are to inform promotion applicants on our staffs that work inspection starts on Monday. They are to give you the heads, an envelope of 200 Ghana cities each for feeding, transportation and risk for the three-member committee traveling to work with them. More so, let us all remember to make sure they write their notes and get fully prepared for this task.
3: Meanwhile, the P.R. of the Ministry of Education, Kwesi Kwating, in his reaction, described the set payments as illegal.
1: Is so unconventional and not authorized in any aspect GS will never sanction that so obviously if you any individual apparently soliciting for money from teachers before they promote them uh, clearly that is unacceptable and against the rules of GS as far as uh, the Ghana education services is concerned there are criteria which are laid down for the promotion of teachers one of them is the writing of the teacher promotion exams. It is unauthorized money, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to forward it to the appropriate headquarters uh, for investigation. And of course, when our uh, investigations will determine what necessary actions we should take. But clearly, promotion is not based on uh, any monetary considerations whatsoever. If you look at the devices, and GES actually captures them as CISOs, how they operate. When I mean when it comes to their their fueling of their motorbikes, for supervision and that is it's part of uh, factored into their their salary considerations, which is paid monthly.
3: Chrissy Kwating is a PR of the Ministry of Education. This eyewitness news on ninety
2: seven point three CTFM. Let's talk about this College now. The Deputy Minister for Education and MP for Asin South, Reverend um, Tim Fodjo has been visiting that particular school today. Uh, we'll talk to him about what he has found and what decision has been taken by the uh, policy persons in the education sector of Ghana. But before then, Reverend, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. We understand you lost your mom. Condolences for that.
0: Thank you very much, Umarra.
2: Let's talk about Waiyek briefly before we talk about Addis College. College. Um, Waiyek may not be able to conduct this year's B, E, C, E, and WASI, and this is because of an indebtedness. We are told 50 million CDs earlier, but I'm just speaking more information that the amount was actually 219 million CDs and that 83 million of it is in arrears. So it's not 50 million, but rather 80, 80, 83 million CDs. That's how much you have to pay Yek before they can conduct these years, and WASI. What are, What do you know, uh, first of all, as a president, maybe at the ministry as well, on, on this matter?
0: Thank you very much, Imaru. And On the matter of BEC, I wish to state emphatically that all arrangements to begin BEC on the 7th of August are in place and nothing has changed. The BEC will be conducted by WIAC unabated. Yes, there were some concerns of indebtedness that was brought to our attention. And that matter, between the Ministry of Education and WIAC having engaged, as of yesterday, an amount of $40 million cities have been the best to, as in pay to WIAC, to support them in their operations. The relationship Ghana Ghana Education Service, or for the matter, Minister of Education, has with WIAC is one that is continuous. And so for a continuous engagement, there will definitely be at any point in time some form of indebtedness, and there are always also some form of payments that are always also being done to ensure that WIAC is well-resourced, and WIAC has the necessary resources it takes to put in place the necessary logistics to um, conduct uh, the various examinations that they have been mandated to conduct. So this year's DEC is going to commence on the 7th of August, and nothing has changed. And and so that is assurance that...
2: You you sound very confident, but if their money is not given to them, they cannot pay um, their invigilators and all of that.
0: Very much so. WAC requires resources to operate, and for that matter, we are always minded to ensure that regularly payments do go. Uh, of course, at that at some particular point, you would find that uh, we would make some payments and some outstanding individuals there. There might be some ideas. But uh, uh, optimally to ensure that they have what it takes to conduct the examinations, we have always made. Available to them, the resources they need, and as I indicated, 40 million CDs as of yesterday had been paid to Waik. A uh, lot of engagement had also gone
2: on. And so, as of yesterday, so that reduces the, the that reduces the debt towards because the information I have is 83 million CDs. It moved from 219 million to 83 million. Are you saying that what the 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 40 million is out of the 219 million? Or is out of the arrears so, now of uh, 83? Uh,
0: as, as per your narration, you, you took it from 200 and then you, uh, you narrated it to 80. And then now, as I said, this 40 has been paid. Whereas I cannot confirm the 200 and the 89 um, narration, what I can say on authority is that we have made payment of 40 million cities to Wayek uh, as of yesterday. That does not mean that the $40 million has gone to totally and absolutely settle whatsoever areas that we may have with WIAC. But that is also to ensure that WIAC is resourced to conduct the examination we're looking for to engage WIAC. And we have had the strongest assurance that as this payment has gone, whatever resource they need is going to be in place. And the examination is going... I've settled and nothing is going to change on that
2: very well thank you so much for that assurance now let's talk about what you've been busying yourself with today you went to the Adisadel college following that uh, video that went viral in which video we saw a student assaulting another student uh in 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 the school what measures have you gone to take since you went there what new announcements are there to share with us
0: Omaro, um, since that viral video came to our attention on the all assault case, it's quite an unfortunate action, one that is not expected to have been done, and one would have even reported that even when it occurred, uh, would have expected that even when it occurred, report would have promptly been made. But all that was there were shortcomings in all that. So immediately the matter came to our attention through the viral video. We called, uh, we invited the headmaster to Accra in the company of the Dietary General D as where meetings were held in my office to ascertain the fact and to also assess the initial sanctions and measures put in place at the school and regional level. We made some reviews, uh, just the one review, um, principally at the, at the time that the matter came to the attention of the school head, um, he suspended all the students involved, including the victim, and also suspended the, the housemaster of the house in question. Uh, we thought that the victim should not uh, be on suspension for failure to report the incident, which is not right, although, but for such an injury to have been sustained and whatsoever circumstances yet to be established for which he was not confident enough to report such a matter and close to a week to his starting as was it's not a good time to suspend the victim for him to be to be a sec, uh, to be victim twice so i i overturned that decision but all other decisions he had initially taken stand until further investigation and to and, and, and pending conclusion of the investigation but immediately we i took the the injured student to the hospital to ensure thorough medical examination was administered to him, then treatment given, and thankfully, when the lab results and CT scans were assessed by the doctors, they certified that indeed no harm or damage whatsoever that is of concern has uh, sustained, and therefore they described him as fine and well. That is the good news to start with. So he was reintegrated back to campus, and given all the psychosocial support we directed, he'd be given. The other... Students involved, particularly the one who perpetrated the crime, yes. Uh, in 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 what, the whole thing is that if you are a student and you flout any disciplinary code, yes, so the GES disciplinary disciplinary code and procedures may apply. But the part that infringes upon specific parts of the law, the law will also take its course in that respect. There are repercussions and consequences for every action and misbehavior in line with the law. So. Attorney General's office is prosecuting this case, and the the Ghana Police Service is also assisting with investigations, and we have directed the school authorities since the time we met to be cooperating well with them, and since they have been cooperating. So although the students uh, were asked to be on suspension, they are also being supervised to ensure that they are available um, to to respond to the calls of the the Ghana Police Service and they are available to cooperate with the law enforcement agency until the matter is fully concluded by law. And so that is also going. When I visited the school this morning, uh, initially I could see that their spirits were down, the general student body, the morale was low, but I had the occasion to meet the ambassador and body and, and admonish them of the wrong behaviors that they need to. Turn away from any any related tendencies, and and reminded them of the purpose and the future that is bright ahead of them, and that the rules are made to protect them in their future, for which they all have to be abiding. and And you could see the the the, the remorsefulness on their faces. We we have also asked them that a culture of non-reporting instances is one that will not be condoned. Bullying must be the the, the thing of the past. Never again shall bullying become countenance on that campus, every other campus, and 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 I encouraged them. Uh, by the time we we're leaving the campus, they were in high spirit, they were, were they were having I mean, sound mind. They were jet up. Teaching and learning, as we speak, is going on on this little campus. And 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 I'm, I had occasion also to meet the headmaster, the teachers, and the management of the school. Also to point out our initial observations or so whatsoever that may have occasion such an incident and even without the notice for that period it, it, it calls for a lot a lot of reforms in their disciplinary system and, and its provision so we had discussions on that and and i can assure you that at the adult campus is, is fine and well nice spirit the uh, final year students are preparing to study their exam they have the social support in place for them and so the environment is positive to support teaching and learning and so parents must be well, sure.
2: Now, it took you to go take the boy to school. Um, Not wo- to, to the hospital. Yeah, to, to the hospital. Um, this would have happened some weeks ago and it came public days ago. If it took you to move from Accra as minister, go all the way there to pick that boy and send him to school, that means that something is wrong in the management of such issues. Um, would you say that the school authorities? The management of this particular issue has not been the best. And I would want you to use that opportunity to speak to other school authorities who may encounter a similar incident on how, what steps they should be taking.
0: Definitely, if everything had been well, we would not be at this point that we are. And, and so, whereas we are isolating this case and handling it uh, with its uniqueness and within the merits that it is. We're also saying that if there be any other manifestations of indiscipline similar related to this happening in any of over 900 SHS and TVED institutions, this must be a turning point. This must be a paradigm shift. Of course, I won't jump the gun to preempt what totally may have gone wrong and what could have been done better because we will soon be privy to the comprehensive report which should be ready. Uh, Tomorrow, and we will speak further to that, and that will inform even measures we are going to further put in place. But this must be a wake up call to all stakeholders. This must be uh, be a wake up call to all stakeholders uh, school leaders, teachers, house masters, uh, students, parents. All of us have a role to play in ensuring that uh, when the rules that we put in place are adhered to, um, and the disciplinary standards of our students uplifted. So so um, that is where I would what I would say for now. Uh, but to assure you, the full-scale investigation will soon be concluded, and the facts of the matters will fully be laid out, and we'll discuss it.
2: Very well. We hope that this is not repeated. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you very much. That's the Honourable Reverend Tim Fodjo. He is Member of Parliament for Asino, Asin South, I beg your pardon, and Deputy Minister in Charge. Of education. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And let's return to the story we started with, which has to do with WAIEC, the government's indebtedness to WAIEC, and the possibility that we may not see WASI and BCE written this year. The minister has just given us an assurance that money has been paid and that WAIEC uh, would conduct the BCE and the WASI. But let's hear from WAIEC itself, the West African Examination Council. Winfred Ampiau is the public affairs officer. You're welcome to Eyewitness News, madam.
5: Thank you very much, uh, Omar Sander.
2: Um, tell us what the backstory to this indebtedness is it? Um, Government supposed to make some payments to you. We are told that these payments have not been made. Please confirm or deny this news for us.
5: Okay. Um, so I would say that we have received some amount of money that would enable us to conduct the exam um, for both BEC and then WAS. However, um, there's a payment plan uh, to pay the others, the rest. So so far, we've received um, 10.5 million Ghana cedis to be able to conduct um, BEC, and um, that of was we've also received 14 million Ghana cedis, and this um, amount will enable us um, take care of the pre-exam and then the during the conduct of the exam itself. So we're looking forward that. Uh, Will be able to receive the other part. However, I would want to assure the public that yes, uh, we are in the position to uh, conduct both exams for this year.
2: So, fifty-five million CDs in total. Yes. When when was this payment made?
5: I would have to cross-check, but okay. I, I know I know for a fact that we have received uh, forty million for the conduct of WAS for school candidate, and then we've received 10.5 billion Ghana cities for the conduct of um, BEC.
2: All right. Is this for the payment of arrears or it is for the payment of this year's exams?
5: It is for the payment of for this year's examination. So as I indicated, what we've received would enable us to um, take care of the pre-exam activities and then uh, the main exam itself. Um, if you look at our breakdown, we know that we're supposed to spend, like, for BEC, a rough estimate of 18 million Ghana cities. And we have received 10.5. There, there's a payment plan to receive other funds before the end of the exam. Uh, so we're looking forward to that also. And then if you take that off was um, the total cost for just the pre and then the conduct of the exam itself would take us to six, $63.5 million.
2: Ghana cities and we have received forty million Ghana cities. All right. The BCE, did you say one
5: Yes, eighteen. You've got ten point five.
2: So you're left with uh, some seven million. Uh with yes, the we're left
5: with, with about seven point five. Yeah.
2: With the with the WASI, uh you are expecting 63 million. six three million, you have received forty. Sixty three
5: point five. Okay. so we have received forty. But, Omar, let me state that this cost that we are talking about is the pre-examination cost and then the during. So this is for, let's say, up to the end of the conduct of the examination. I I get it. That that. is
2: the cost. So I just wanted to understand understand something, which means that if you don't get the outstanding 23 and the outstanding 7.5, you may not be able to conduct the exams. that is what it means because it is part of the pre and the exams date up to the point where you collect the exam papers from the students who have finished writing and you said, "Stop work
5: Yes, but as I also indicated um uh, we have we already have like there's a conversation ongoing um i i am not privy to details of it, but I know that there's a payment plan which uh, we are very certain that we'll be able to receive all the the outstanding payments before even the end of the conduct of the exam. So we are certain from our position, we are certain that uh, we'll be able to conduct the examination.
2: And post exams, you would also have a budget for that. Uh, What are the discussions around that? What budget are you working with? And I'm sure that means how much you pay people to mark the script, transport and all of that after the exams.
5: So for, the, that, for the, that, I'm only giving you, so if you take, um, let's say, supervision and invigilation, we expected to spend um, 6.3 million Ghana cities. And then for depot keeping, that officers who would man the various depots where um, question papers will be kept. We also expected to spend 4 million cities. The printing of the question papers is going to cost us um, 7.7 million cities. This is for BEC. Okay, so and I ga- I get ga- ga- a point. So
2: my point is that so everything you're talking about, there's two budgets: uh, that 80 million plus the 60 million, is for the preparation towards the exams to the day that the exams is written. It does not cover exactly. the post exams. I want to know what the budget for the post exams is. Do you have that figure readily available?
5: I I I don't have that figure readily available at the moment. All right, but so I have that uh, just the pre. Okay. So
2: the conduct. All right. What about ARIES? Um, what is your, what, what is the government's indebtedness to work?
5: Well, re- regarding the arrest, Omar, uh, you have to pardon me. I would have to just confirm because I am, I only have figures for, uh, how much we have received because I, I talked to our conversation would just be around, um, the conduct of this exam, looking at what issues trended. So I don't have figures whether they are arrested or not. But I know that uh, for this particular exam, we are in the position to conduct it. So I won't be able to speak on the areas.
2: All right, let's leave it here then. Thank you so much for speaking to us.
5: Thank you so
2: much. That's Winifred Ampiao. She is Public Affairs Officer at the West African Examination Council, Yek. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. Let's move on to some other stories, but that would be... After this break.
6: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
7: Let your voice be heard on eyewitness news.
4: On Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag eyewitness news
2: you welcome back. This is eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. let's go to tema now. There's news that two fishermen have died and the suspicion is that they were killed by the persons who allegedly did the killing, uh, whose vessels may have run into their boat, that the Ghana Port and Harbours authority has denied that particular claim. Uh, Rickster Niama Amafio is the secretary of the National Fisheries Association of Ghana and he's uh, his us. he has interest in this particular story and knows more about it. Uh Rick Steyer, welcome to I News. Uh thank you
8: very much. Uh, Umaru. Umaru, for some time I was still down as the secretary of the National Association of Ghana. Oh really? I'm, so I'm still an executive member of the uh, interim committee, but I am trying to do other things to so, uh, I've taken a, a back seat a bit
2: to Okay. I'll just call you a fisherman's I'll call you a fisherman's son who is in, engaging in fishing. <laughs>
8: was
1: anyway. What's happening in yeah. Tema?
8: Well, uh, early morning I had a call uh, that uh, two fishermen had died. Apparently one of them is a distant relative. Uh, a cousin. And you know, we are in the close season. But towards the Omo War, we have a number of events. And one of it is what we call our. We have two quarters for the indigenous teman people. One quarter is Awudun, one quarter is shaman. So towards the Ohomo, they go for fishing to hook uh, red snappers, what is normally called Chile. And so the night before the hook line competition, it's more of a competition, but it's also part of the tradition, because that's the fish for the festival. The they go for what we call bait. And normally, it's, it's supposed to be sardinella or mackerel. So some of those who use the net are selected to go for bait. And because we are in the close season, we expect that you go to some protocol to have clearance so that you don't violate the laws also. So when I was called that some of the fishermen who went for the bait Uh, had died in what was termed as accident at sea, and that uh, one Kapoor talk ran into them and crashed the canoe, and the canoe fleet, And then when the fishermen fell in the water, two of them would not survive it. After they got trapped in the net, so they couldn't swim out, and then they died in the prison. So they brought all of them to the harbor. And that's what we've been battling with all day, because the youth are not happy. Uh, they believe that if this is custom, and if, um, that uh, the an attempt to enforce the closed season that led to this. And we've had the a statement on the floor of Parliament. We've had a mayor held emergency dissect meeting. And my information is that he formed the five-member committee to look into what really led to this, so that we'll we have some exactitude as to what happened, whether it was deliberate or whether uh, it was an accident. Uh, but uh, we, we hear Gapua denying that none of their talk had been involved in any form of accident. And then from some quarter, they have confirmed that, yes, it was a Gapua talk, but it was an accident. The fishermen involved had said that, well, these people were after us, we had cut our net, and then they ran into us. What baffles me from where I sit, is that for every accident at sea, the first thing you do is to report the matter to Ghana Maritime Authority. I'm here to have confirmation that ha- happened. Secondly, the question some of us are asking is that if indeed it was an accident, then why did they talk abandoned fishermen at sea? Going for it, if it was an accident at then they should help at least save the lives that were lost. So they should help get the people and bring them to land. Besides, some other fishermen have been arrested uh, or were arrested. I don't know if they've been released now for fishing illegally because we are in the close city. So there are a number of issues that are coming up and it's getting the youth agitated over, over the incident that happened.
2: Would this have any consequence on the upcoming Homo?
8: Uh, I'm not sure it will uh, because we are trying to handle the two differently.
2: Okay, that's fine. Thank you for speaking to us. So that's Rickster Ni Ama Amafio. He's in the fishing industry, has an interest in that particular sector, just explaining to us what he knows so far uh, over there. Let me also say that the Ghana Ports and Harbors Authority has issued a statement signed by Abna Sewa Opoku Fosu, who is Marketing and Public Affairs Manager at Tema and uh, they have denied the claims that it was a vessel that was involved in an accident with a fisherman's boat which led to their death and uh, this particular vessel have allegedly uh, fled the scene and left the two to their fate. The Gapua has denied that claim. Let's speak to the municipal chief executive for Tema, Johan Ama Ashite. Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News.
9: Uh, thank you very much and, and a good a good, a good evening to your cherished listeners.
2: As MewSec chair, uh, what briefing do you have on the incident and uh, how are you dealing with it?
9: Uh, yes, so um, just when this uh, matter came to my attention, um, quickly after visiting the scene and I'm really getting some of eyewitness information, I have to really convey a mass meeting because it's a security matter so that we are able to actually go to the bottom of the issue and be able to understand what happened. So we actually summoned uh, all the major stakeholders to message meeting so that they can give us a form of briefing for us to understand what happened. But um, the information we're taking from all the stakeholders were conflicting information. So clearly, uh, it's a little bit difficult for us to really understand exactly what happened because normally, you know, during close season, um, um around this time there's a special tax force and the tax force actually comprises of gph um, security the navy um, the police all of them go together to ensure that um, uh, this uh, season activity is actually enforced but um uh, interrogating all of them there were a lot of um, um let's say discrepancies or differences uh you know the narrations that came and so because of that we, we deemed it necessary to form um, an independent fact-finding committee among and uh, uh, The committee involved, um, five-member committee. We have NIB, we have CID, we have NADMO, we have FIRE, and then we have uh, the Assembly Council himself to be on this committee. And then they have a seven days period as part of the sense of reference, so that we can have a report to really understand exactly. What happened Um uh, this fateful, uh toll uh, that led to the unfortunate lives of two lives of the fishermen so this is what they i've done and then uh, after seven days we'll get the full reports and based on that then we can really understand exactly what happened and then whoever is found culpable we'll definitely would have to go to the full rigors to the
2: law i see have you been able to calm the fishermen down though because clearly they'll be unhappy that two of their own were killed at sea and they have suspects
9: well, it's not an easy matter, but uh, I think that after the MESEC meeting, all of us, Mr. Meeting, all went to meet the Wola uh, or let's say the others um, um, at the building, and uh, we we let them understand that uh, we are investigating the matter. We also followed up uh, to communicate with the Burig families, um, the whole of Lusaka members, for them to also know that yes, we are not resting our homes. we are actually investigating this matter, and uh, we also assure them that. Uh, I found culpable after an investigation will definitely go to the full because of the law. And um, I think that um, it has helped uh, to an
2: appreciable level. Thank you so much for speaking to us. You're welcome, sir. That's Johan Ama ashiti He is municipal chief executive for Tema. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra, we are also around the globe on citynewsroom.com. Let's go to the courts now. Um, because, yeah.
3: The Supreme Court has dismissed an application by James Jachikwes in seeking to quash a decision of the High Court not to allow further disclosures in the criminal tra- trial of the Asinoth MP. The lawyers filed a, an application on grounds that a trial judge aired when she denied them an application to direct the Attorney General's Office to make further disclosures. His lawyers contend that a judge erred because his application was not heard. He further argued that the judge took the decision by relying on the document produced by the Attorney General, which was not deposed to by an affidavit. The court, after considering the arguments from the two parties, dismissed the application as without merit. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court also raised concerns about the continuous absence of James Judge at the Apex Court when he files applications. At the start of proceedings, the court observed... That the asin of mp was absent chief justice Getchu Tokono then noted that she has observed a pattern where the asin of mp files an application and does not appear on the date of hearing now she then questioned the lawyer uh, justin Tariwag tariwaya on the whereabouts of his client uh, who could not provide the answer the lawyer apologized to the court <laughs> Now the Chief Justice Getchu Tokono has refused a request by the third accused person and the trial involving minority leader at a forcing for the case. To be transferred from the court presided over by Justice Ifyasewa Asaribuchi. The request to the Chief Justice followed an incident in the courtroom where the accused Richard Jakba was nearly denied a request to use the washroom. Dissatisfied with the position of the judge when he made the request Mr. Jakba applied to the Chief Justice to reassign the case to another judge but in a letter read in court on Thursday the Chief Justice refused the request Meanwhile, an application by the minority leader for the judge to recuse herself on grounds of basis of bias rather is yet to be considered.
2: Now, more in the court or from the court, a banking specialist, Alexander Kofi Mensa Mod, Alex Mold, has told an Accra economic and financial court that a letter signed by Dr. Kisler to forcing requesting for letters of credit to be established by the Bank of Ghana in favor of Big C trading LLC of Dubai is not an application for letters of credit. Dr. K. Zlatuforsin has been accused of causing financial loss to the state for allegedly causing an LC to be established in favor of Big C for the supply of 30 ambulances without authorization. Alexander kofi Mensah-Mold, who testified in court on Thursday, explained under cross-examination by the Attorney General Godfrey Dami that whereas the Ministry of Finance needed to write to the BOG requesting for LCs to be established, the letter alone cannot trigger the establishment of an LC. The former chief executive officer of the GMPC told, had told a quote, the court that letters signed on behalf of the finance minister by minority leader lead Dr. Kizla to Fosin requesting for the establishment of letters of credit in favor of Big C General Trading LLC of Dubai was only a first step in the process of establishing of the LCs and cannot constitute. Payment. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTM. Let's talk about the running of the courts now. A critical part or a critical part of uh, the judicial system is the Giro system. Uh, if you go for a murder trial especially, you would see a group of people, uh, not odd numbers most of the time, well actually they have to be odd numbers, who sit in one corner listening to the trial and uh, who uh, would make a very critical determination in the case. We are told that those who are supposed to do this job in the Upper West region are on strike. Hakim Suleimana is the Foreman General of the jurors in Uwa. You're welcome to Eyewitness News, sir. Thank you,
10: sir, for the opportunity, once
2: again. First of all, are we even supposed to know who you are as jurors? I mean, you're supposed to sit there quietly in the courtroom and listen and take your decision. Now we are hearing about you. You are unhappy <coughs> with, with some particular things that are happening. Tell us what's happening.
10: Yes. Yeah. Um, we've been with the system, some of us, two, three years ago, and we've been doing our work diligently, as the nation demands us to do. It is a national call that all public servants can be called to come and perform some of these duties, and on that call that we were invited, to be part of members of jury in the High Court to determine, like you said, some of the cases that involve rape, murder, and manslaughter, among others.
5: Now, yeah,
10: go ahead. Yes. We started this work, and then the last time we were paid, it ends in October 2021. And then from November 2021 up to date, we have not received any stipends. Some of us too are from communities. They, com- they commute to the courts and back. So we followed the authorities severally to no avail. So we even had the opportunity to talk to my lord, the High Court judge in wa we also spoke with the uh, principal state attorney and then the bar the bar association leadership and then they were all there when we gave the signal that this is what is happening and then we are not comfortable with uh, what is going around because we are reliably informed that other regions almost all the regions have been paid some months of assault to the neglect of Upper West Region, and we think that uh, we've been unfairly treated. Because if they've also given us some months, fine. But that is the main reason why we have notified the court. And the court, today, yesterday, we informed them. We went to court all right. We apologize for the actions that we were going to take. But we have no option than to do that. So we spoke to the high court judge. He was seated. And then he called the jury members. We came out. Their leader, myself, I stood up and then uh, put our concerns before him. And then senior uh, lawyers who were in court. And they appreciated our efforts. And we said that with this, we are only sending the signal that try in as much as possible to also listen to us and then solve our problems. We are not even saying pay all. If you pay something small, we we'll continue to come.
2: That is our main problem for registering our displeasure. How much are we talking about? It is
10: unfortunate that I can't mention any amount because... Uh, Some are in one case, some two cases, some three cases. So the amount varies. How much... This this amount will stem from uh, November 2021 up to date. So it is huge.
2: How much, and if you don't mind sharing that, do you have to be paid per case?
10: When you attend court... When you attend court, you are paid 100 CDs. And when you sit in a case, they pay you another 100.
2: What's the difference between attending court and sitting on a case?
10: Yes, the attendance is your TNT. But the sitting is for the work that you have done in court.
2: So if you went for a hearing, you would have to be paid 200 CDs?
10: Yes. It it means you have attended and you have sat in a case.
2: I'm just wondering how you can sit without attending. Is that? A, is yes. that can you yes, separate are, the two?
10: There are, yes, there are certain instances where all the jury members will be invited to come for impaneling into new cases. Those who attend, all of them might not be impaneled to handle cases. Okay. So in that case, their names will not be found in the sitting
2: allowance. Okay, that, that's, for, that's for usually the first day of the case where the impaneling yes. is happening. All right, I get yes. it now. Who has to make this payment to you?
10: Certainly, the money comes through the judicial service.
2: Have you written to the judicial service? Because I remember a few weeks ago, I think your colleagues in Kumasi and was it Tema, they also embarked on a similar strike.
10: Yes. Um, we, we said uh, it is a national duty. Once it is national duty, let's not uh, put the lives of the accused persons who have been, in, uh, been in on remand for so long a time so that let's try, let's keep on going. I'm praying that they will pay. So we went to the high court judge several, not once, not twice. But we also reported the matter to the Bar Association leadership. Then we also informed the state attorney. We said, no, this time, let me, we have been writing, but if it comes to the uh, point that we will write, we will write. But this is the first point that we have Registered that we have sent a signal
2: very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Eh?
10: I'm grateful for the attention.
2: Does hakim Suleimana, he is foreman general of jurors in Wahoo, who have decided to leave the courtroom? They cannot do the job anymore, they say, unless their monies are paid them. This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Up next, we have business and then point blank. Please stay.
0: Eyewitness News be there as it happens.
7: Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook
4: at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News.
0: Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News.
3: Hello and welcome to City Business News and Eyewitness News, powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Akusia Otre. Let's settle for the details. Now, as independent power producers, IPPs, meet over rising energy debts, industry players have renewed calls for inefficiencies in the sector to be addressed the ipps are holding a crucial emergency meeting after governments failed to settle the arrears the debt has increased from 2 billion us dollars to about 2.3 us dollars prompting today's energy meeting emergency meeting rather to find strategies over the non payment but energy think tank africa center for Energy Policy, ASEP, makes the point that government's lack of commitment to fix energy sector leakages is alarming. Benjamin Boache is executive director of ASEP. I
0: think it's, it's multiple factors. We have so much inefficiency uh, in, in, the, in the sector, which we have been complaining about. Uh, not much effort has been in place to actually reduce uh, the inefficiencies uh, in the sector. And by inefficiencies, you're only talking about um, how much goes to waste, uh, because of you know uh, aged equipment and uh, transformers, as well as how much power is stolen uh, by some consumers who don't actually pay uh, for the power they consume. And also the revenue collection, those who are actually billed by ECG, but they are not able to collect revenues uh, for it. Uh, you know, so those are some of the uh, areas that generate the waste and the inefficiency. So we need to find ways to address that, to make sure the power generated can be
9: consumed and actually paid for uh, by the consumer.
3: That was Benjamin Boache, Executive Director of Africa Centre for Energy Policy. Now, the Institute of Energy Security, IES, is concerned that government's failure to pay debts owed the independent power producers would not only affect the economy, but also deter potential investors.
10: If we wait for them to shut down the system, it won't just have economic you know, impact on us. It also comes with reputational damage as a country that we are unable to handle our power sector and even pay people who give us power. We may suggest to other potential investors that we are not a reliable partner. And they won't attempt planting a generating system in our country. So we must be very careful about this situation. There's also the suspicion that part of the same inadequate revenue collection is diverted for other uses. And so you don't have that money sitting in the vote. It becomes a challenge for government. And who caused it? government who caused that? And so whatever it is, government must find a way to up that money so that you and I can be assured of consistent, reliable supply
1: going forward.
3: You heard a voice of Nana Moisi the seventh, the executive director of the Institute for Energy Security. Now, analysts are predicting that even though there was a significant 4.2% real GDP growth in the first quarter of 2023, the economic activity for the rest of the year is expected to be unimpressive. Researchers at GCB Capital in a report further suggest that a continuous downturn raises concerns about a potential economic slowdown
0: government is not going to spend enough uh, to stimulate growth, as we've seen in times past. Uh,
1: an example is the fact that industrial growth uh, is contracted in the first quarter, really. Even when uh, uh, the services sector and, and agriculture sector recorded impressive growth, when in the industrial sector contracted, and construction is a major uh, component of that sector, of the subsector, of that industrial sector that contracted. Manufacturing activities and things like that are all depressed, really. now.
0: All of those construction to a large extent is government driven, even if there's some private sector activity in there. And then you are having manufacturing which is mostly private sector driven and they will depend on the availability of credit in the system. But then you look at the Bank of Ghana data again and then total advances for the period, uh half year twenty twenty two, 2023 uh, twenty three, and then of course credit to the private sector, even when growing, is growing at a much slower rate than the uh, same period last year. And-
3: Courage Booty is research lead at GCB Capital. Now, the Ministry of Tourism, Arts and Culture says it is working towards meeting its target of generating $1.5 billion from the tourism sector. The tourism and hospitality industries were badly hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. However, industry players say the sector is gradually revamping after the economic crunch. That followed, sector minister Dr. Mohammed Awau assured that the government will equip the hospitality sector to boost growth. 1.1
7: million tourists, external international Arab in that gives us an amount of 3.3 billion US dollars. Ghana's recovery is really really good. While the African average recovery is 61%, Ghana's profit about 85% who's covered pandemic. We put in place a number of strategies to achieve this 1.5 billion. Each tourist spends an average of over $3,000. So we think that we can achieve that. The recent Kwame Nkrumah refurbishment and reorganization. If you go to Kwame now, you will see queues of both Ghanaians and foreigners. One alone is going to give us one million domestic arrivals. And then we we'll start, we've done a lot of our promotional uh, activities around the world. USA last year gave us about 37% of arrivals. That's the number one, followed in Nigeria. We want to have wrapping up our activities across the world. So our promotional activities, of tourist sites, doing religious tourism, educational tourism, school tourism, corporate tourism.
3: Dr. Mohammed Awal is the Minister of Tourism, Arts and Culture. The Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana stressed the pressing need to increase the number of community pharmacies in the country to enhance accessibility to quality services across the country. President of the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana, Dr. Samuel Donko, has been speaking to City Business News on the sidelines of a community pharmacy business seminar
11: pharmaceutical society of ghana is looking at a win-win situation for both the financial institution which is Access bank and pharmaceutical society of ghana with specific emphasis on pharmacists who intend to expand their business or open new f- pharmacies but there's a drive to help a lot of pharmacists to be able to open their own pharmacies that's why you realize that from the topic owning a community pharmacy and building a sustainable community pharmacy. Yeah. And that cannot happen without a strong financial support. So we look forward to a very good collaboration that will bring in Access Bank to enable them enable pharmacists who are contemplating or in a, currently in a situation where they intend to open their own pharmacies to be able to do so. And it is part of our strategic deliverables to get so many pharmacies to be able to open their own pharmacies.
3: President of the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana, Dr. Samuel Donko, finally, despite earlier struggles to meet monthly revenue targets in the first quarter of 2023, the Customs Division of the Ghana Revenue Authority says it has begun exceeding its monthly targets. The Commission of Customs Division, who express optimism about meeting their annual target by the end of the year, says the necessary measures which have been put in place to smoothen the process are yielding positive results. The Commission of Customs Division, Alhaji Saidu Idrisu Idisa, spoke to City Business News. Well, that's it for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by a most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Akwesia Autry.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
2: This is Poemblank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandam. tonight on Poemblank, you must have seen a number of commentaries. The tampi has been legalized, weed has been legalized, marijuana has been legalized. But this is flowing from an amendment of the law by the House of Parliament a few weeks ago. The City Breakfast Show did an extensive discussion on what exactly was legalized and what the consequence of the legalization was. But people still had their own commentary, misinterpretation, if you like. And that actually is a source of worry for the Speaker of the House of Parliament, Alban Sumana Kingsford Bagby. So today, as part of business of the House, it took time to clarify to Ghanaians what exactly the House of Parliament did with the Herbs. So let's listen to the speaker, the Honorable right, uh, right Honorable Speaker, Alban sumana Kingsford-Bagbin.
12: Clarify some misinformation that is peddling in the country. This is in respect of the matters arising out of the passage of the Narcotics Control Commission Amendment Bill 2023. Honourable Members, I am before you today to address a matter of national importance that has recently found its way into public discourse. My attention has been drawn to a series of media reports and various social media discussions revolving around the legality of cannabis, the use of cannabis in Ghana. It appears that there is a significant misunderstanding or misinterpretation of the nature and intent of recent legislative changes. The subject at hand, the subject at hand sorry, has its origins in the Narcotics Control Commission Act, passed by Parliament in 2020, Act, 20, Act 1019, which served to modernize and strengthen our country's approach to narcotics control. This legislation, as noted in the memorandum to the bill, was born out of diligent research, extensive consultation, and careful consideration of our societal realities. Recent reports, however, seem to have misunderstood or misrepresented some sections of the act causing unnecessary confusion and alarm, especially in light of the recent passage of the Narcotics Control Commission Amendment Bill 2023. It is my intention today to provide accurate information, thereby restoring a level of understanding, confidence, and trust in our legal and legislative process. Honourable Members, at this juncture, it is essential to shed light on the historical framework that has led to us to pass this legislation. You all recall the Narcotics Control Commission Act was passed in 2020, as stated, numbered Act 1019. This was a pivotal legislation, which transformed the Narcotics Control Board into a commission. The primary intent behind this statute was to retrofit the then-existing Narcotics uh, Control Board, a body entrusted with the crucial task of supervising the handling of narcotic drugs and plants cultivated for narcotic purposes alongside addressing other associated matters. Central to our discourse today is section 43 of the aforementioned act. This particular clause bestowed upon the minister of Interior, the authority subject to the Commission's recommendations to grant cultivation licenses for cannabis. These licenses, however, were specifically limited to cannabis with a tetrahydrocannabinol which is usually shortened THC content that did not exceed 0.3% on a dry weight basis and the cultivation was to be geared towards industrial and medicinal purposes. Industrial because they use it to produce huge sacks, and medicinal because they use it for a lot of medicinal purposes. Now, that type, I'm informed that we don't even yet have the seeds in Ghana. And so, we are yet to commence the cultivation of it, and through it, you can extract fiber, apart from just using it for medicine. To underscore the intent of these licenses, Subsection 2 of Section 43 expressly stated that they should not extend to the cultivation of cannabis intended for recreational usage. There is a prohibition against unlawful cultivation, possession and use of narcotics clearly outlined in sections 39 to 42 of this act, remained unaffected. Despite these intentions, the provision met a judicial challenge in the case of Eswami Manam versus the Attorney General. The Supreme Court, in its wisdom, declared section 43 to be unconstitutional citing a failure to adhere to Article 106 of our Constitution, 1992, during the enactment of the provision. The landmark ruling of the Supreme Court on Section 43 of the Narcotics Control Commission Act 2020 necessitated a period of critical reflection and renewed legislative action from this House. The Constitution serves as our nation's guiding document, and any contravention within our status needs immediate redress. In response to the court's determination of the unconstitutionality, the Minister for Interior introduced the Courts Control Commission Amendment Bill 2023 to rectify the identified shortcomings. The Amendment Act introduced a new provision, Section 42A into Act 1019. The objective of this insertion was to reestablish the minister's discretionary power to issue cultivation licenses for specific strains of cannabis. The cultural condition being that such strains possess not more than 0.3% THC content on a dry-weight basis. Importantly, the license for cultivation was expressly limited to industrial applications, such as the production of fiber or seeds, or for medicinal uses that could potentially contribute to advancement in health care. It is imperative to understand and underline that the intention of this provision is not to endorse or legalize the recreational use or smoking of cannabis. We must dispel any such misinterpretation. The provision's design aims to strike a prudent balance between the harnessing of the industrial and medicinal potential of certain low TAC cannabis strains and maintain our robust control on the to ensure the safety and well-being of our society. The second schedule of the Act remains in full force, detailing an extensive list of penalties for unlawful activities associated with narcotics. Further, the safe schedule of the act unambiguously categorizes cannabis as a narcotic drug. These provisions underline our unwavering stance against the illicit use of narcotics while simultaneously recognizing their potential for beneficial industrial And medicinal application. Honourable members, the law is there for all to use, and you have to read it carefully. I don't need to refer to the provisions anymore. But we have maintained all the stringent measures to make sure that it's only the beneficial uses that are allowed by the law. In conclusion, in the light of the foregoing, it becomes clear that our legislative actions, both past and present, are guided by a careful and considered approach. The evolution from the Narcotics Control Commission Act 2020 to the subsequent amendment in 2023 has been a journey of refining and enhancing our legal framework in response to evolving circumstances, judicial scrutiny, and the need for balance between potential benefits and social risk. It is imperative to retreat, particularly in the face of the inaccurate media representations, that the purpose of our legislative actions has never been, and is not now, to promote or legalize the recreational use or smoking of cannabis. In conclusion therefore the house remains steadfast in its commitment to enforcing the law against the unlawful use of the cannabis. We will continue to act in a manner that upholds the Constitution, serves the public interest, and advances our nation's development. I want to employ all members of Parliament, and indeed all Ghanaians, to share and communicate this understanding, so as to dispel misinterpretations and misinformation, and foster a more informed dialogue on the matter. I reiterate the cultivation, the manufacture, the processing, the production, the sale, the distribution, or the use of narcotic plants, including weed, marijuana, or synthetic or semi-synthetic drug, without lawful authority, remains an offense and is punishable by our laws. I therefore call on the law enforcement authorities to continue to investigate, to prosecute, and to commit offenders to the sanctions of the law. With this, I want to thank honorable members for your attention and direct you in your advocacy during the recess, to convey this message to all your constituents. Honourable members, I'm compelled to be copious in this matter because of the troubling nature of current trends. There are a lot of people now in the streets telling their colleagues that we have legalized the use of Marijuana, of we, of narcotics, We haven't done such a thing. You recall, I drew your attention to it. And as a result of the importance we place on it, we decided not to have a sitting yesterday. Honourable members, it's important I bring you the greetings from the meeting which is being hosted by the Church of Pentecost at the Pentecost Convention Center in Gomwa, Fete. It started yesterday and is expected to end today. The two-day conference under the team moral vision and national development sought to bring together major stakeholders in national development for a sober reflection and dialogue toward developing a framework that significantly impacts and shapes the most the moral fiber of Ghana's development honorable members the opening ceremony of the National Development Conference brought together the three organs of state, including the Vice President of the Republic, His Excellency Alhaji Dr. Mahmoud Bawumia, who represented the President of the Republic, His Excellency Nana Addo Dankwa akufo You are aware from the communication I read to you that is out of the country presently. The leadership of this House and some members of the House, led by my good self, also participated in yesterday's forum. The Chief Justice, Her Ladyship Jetrud Araba Isaba Tokun, was also president. We had two former presidents also honoring the invitation. We have the former president of the Republic of Ghana, His Excellency John Ajikun Kufuo, and the former president, His Excellency John Dramani Mahama, being present. We had a host of ministers of state, a lot of the clergy, members of the Diplomatic Corps, and a delegation to represent the National Chief Imam, led by Sheikh Arimiyao Shaibu. A host of traditional leaders were there queens, queen mothers, kings, and a lot of statements, heirs of professional Buddhist civil society organizations, security services, MMDCs, political functionaries of all divide. The chairman, the general secretaries of all the political parties were there. The Ghana Journalist Association, this is just to mention but a few, were all present to give their diverse contributions towards a secular discourse that engendered consensus building.
2: So that's the right honourable Speaker of Parliament... Alban Suman Akin's for the was speaking in clarifying what Parliament did with the legalization of cannabis. Well, that would be for eyewitness news tonight. My name is Umaru Amadou. I did this with Akosia Otre production by Kobna Wilson and Sami Biafi. Technical support from Daniel Squashi and Edwin Kwakufi helped with new media. Thank you for listening. Eyewitness News returns tomorrow at 1730 GMT. Up next is Sister Sister with Chris Cutter. Listen. City
4: News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.